Hi, this is Weldon in Nyi-sur-Seine, France. And I'm Chesney in Aarhus, Denmark. And you are listening to... American on the Outside. So it is summer in Europe. It is. And you know what that means? Uh, it means a lot of nothing, a lot of everything closed. <laughs> it, it means summer vacation. It means everybody is taking the time to go off and have an adventure. Because if there's one thing that I know about Europeans, it's that summertime is vacation time is sacred time is absolutely inviolable oh yeah it's it's crazy it's so sacred that earlier this summer i got a notification that my doctor i was switching doctors because here you're assigned a physician which Mm -hmm. is fine they're all good they're all the gps are good and good for your basic care. I got a notification that I had been assigned another doctor and I went online to register with the doctor and discovered that that doctor was not going to be in the office until the 27th of July. Oh no. So I have been not without a doctor because you can always call people if there's an emergency or there's a neighborhood can, clinic that kind yeah, of yeah there's a there's a place to go you're not completely without health care but if you need something you better get it before july <laughs> you better make sure that it is it, if you have a prescription that you need filled or you might run out better stock up because now is gone is July the month in Denmark? Is that when everyone leaves? It is the month in Denmark because school starts in August. Ah. And I believe in France it's a totally different story. Well, yeah, in France there's there's these two schools. It's like the, the Catholics and Protestants of vacation. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the Juietists and the, the Utists. Okay. Uh, and and it's, it's this longstanding sort of bitter rivalry between the two about whether you should take July off or take August off. And, and people really do take the entire month off. Um, I I think that's sort of incomprehensible to Americans, but like the bakery, uh, that's the ground floor of my building just closes for a month. Yeah. I went to a plant store, uh, with the kids the other day, we were going to go buy some plants and closed until the end of July. I was like, ah, Oh, well. should, have, should have known. <laughs> exactly. I I find it really refreshing to see all of these people. My friends are right now. They're either like in Italy or they're in their summer houses. The Danes have summer houses. Really? Yes. It is a very, very popular thing for families to have a primary residence and then a house that they use in the summer. Now, most of the time, these houses are summer houses. They're like not cottages, well. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're cottages. They're usually on a beach. Nice. Um, Sometimes, most of the time, they're fairly far away from their primary residence. But mm-hmm. I have heard of people who have a summer house 
like 15 minutes away from their primary residence, which seems weird to me, <laughs> but I mean, but it's it still, it, it gives you a different environment that you're in. Right. Like you, you're, right. you're in vacation time. The French don't quite do the second residence as much, but they were doing Airbnb before Airbnb was a thing. They have this thing called a jeet, uh, mm. which is like a, a temporary, Rental, And so if you go to Provence or to Normandy, you'll just rent this, yeah, sort of like a beach house out for the month that you're there. And, and that's, uh, and, and it's, it's empty when it's not being rented out. It's not like, so it's not like Airbnb in that sense, but uh, it's very popular. Okay. Because back, back home, um, I have, I have friends and family who owned like lake houses um, on recreational lakes mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they would use as they would be there mainly in the summer, usually around, you know, the beginning of July. Right. And then they would rent them out. But the, and then the again, the this year. Is, yeah. Well, yeah. for nicer weather when they weren't using them. Right. Um, right. Maybe not so much November, but <laughs> right. No, because that's football. Oh, true. <laughs> you gotta, true. <laughs> you gotta go to a different, a different part of the state for that. How is your social media feed looking these days with everybody off? Oh, right. Things? Yeah, everyone, and uh, in particular, my my dad has done, I guess, the American version of this and bought a Winnebago. <gasps> wow! And he's what's he? Where's he traveling to? Well, they're still trying to fix it. So, uh, oh, but I, th okay. I think they have plans to go out west at some point. Um, that's something you don't really see in Europe, the whole RV uh, culture. At least I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if, if Denmark has it. Denmark, the Scandi countries have it. It is a thing. Uh. You can rent. Oh, because they go camping there and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of camping, and you can rent. Not like the big, huge Winnebago's that they have in the states, but but the know, the little campers almost the little campers, yeah, right. yeah. It's actually very popular here, um, yeah. And I'm so much so that I'm thinking maybe one of these summers we should rent one and go up to like Sweden and over to Norway, and maybe that would be fun. Or and then I see I see friends like who have gotten together with several other friends and they're down in the Mediterranean on like catamarans. And right. Like, that looks fun too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I had, that's the really great part. And I realized how crazy privileged all of this sounds. Sure. But this is, this is totally something that people are able to do here. It's yeah. I mean, it's maybe not everyone, but a large number of people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I, I feel like it's such a, it's a place where if you got enough people together, you could do this pretty easily. You could rent a boat in the Mediterranean for a week. Mm -hmm. I, you know, you're like eight to 10 friends. And right. Right. A, a Cripsona in the, uh... <laughs> I don't know if it would be crude. Maybe it wouldn't be crude. Maybe you want to like have some friends who knew how to sail a boat with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems it's something that people really value travel and experiencing different places and different cultures and different 
and different people. And they really put a lot of value on that. I mean, I noticed th thinking back to the U.S., boats are very much a, a status symbol, right? Like people don't rent boats. Mm. You own a boat and that's like the sign that you've made it that you take your boat down to the marina right. uh, on the weekend. And it's a, you know, a bass boat that costs $155,000 or something. But yeah, it's it, it's very different. To see, I mean, you still have in parts of coastal France, like small sailboats that actively go fish. And that's right. that's just what they do. It's it's he sails out and gets some oysters or whatever and uh, and brings them back. And, and it's just this sort of humble working boat, you know. Right. But you also have people who would ha have pleasure sailboats or again, I just yeah, it is. It is a it's both a status symbol, I think, but it's also a completely attainable and achievable status symbol here, it seems like, because I right. know so many I know so many people who have some sort of getaway place, whether it's a boat or a summer house. It's a totally atta attainable goal here. My husband and I joke all the time, like, where is this wealth coming from? Because, <laughs> because there's not a lot of wealth disparity here. I mean, there's obviously some. It's hard to get away from in its in sure. entirety, but, but it's not huge like in the U.S. Uh, and there are a lot of people who have summer houses and who are, and or a boat. And we're like, where is this coming from? And our joke is that it's Viking wealth. The hoarded uh, Dane Geld of, of yes. years gone by. That <laughs> it's that it's wealth hoarded by the Vikings, and um, I don't think that's actually true. But it's it's very fun. <laughs> it's funny to think about when you think about the history of this part of the world and yeah, I mean how they went out. So in in France, especially in Paris, I mean, there's certainly. <laughs> There's no lack of conspicuous consumption and people proving that they are richer than you will ever be. Like, that's not if, – if you're worried that that doesn't exist, uh, fear not. It certainly exists in France. But there's a more attainable quality of life for mm -hmm. sort of the, the average person maybe than uh, – people just – well, I was going to say people seem, seem less dissatisfied, but they set cars on fire in France all the time. So maybe it's not that simple. I don't, but, uh... I don't think that it's that they're not dissatisfied. I think everybody is to some extent. Sure. But again, I feel like the gaps are so, so different. The... I mean, it, it's hard to compare because I know if like if you just look at converting euros to dollars mm. or pounds to dollars the the income the median income in the UK is about the median income in Mississippi mm. yeah uh, but that's there's there's just no comparison really between the two standards of living there and, and right. I, I think Denmark is even a lower median income than that like it's it's not a huge amount of wealth as much as the ability to to live a life and spend it, maybe? I I think that for the Danes, from my perspective, it seems as though what happens is that 
you have a lot of disposable income when your basic needs are met through taxation and a, a social safety net. Like if you don't have to save up for a potential trip to the hospital, right? Because, right. you know, I mean, if you were like, oh, I have to have I have to have X number of dollars in the bank in case X, Y or Z happens. Because I know that I have, you know, I have social medicine. I have I don't have to save for my kids college because that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's already taken care of. You do have more disposable income to spend on things that you enjoy whether that's you know furniture or technology or books or which by the way are taxed or at least they were when i was here in 2010 they were their tax is a luxury hmm. books books interesting i yeah i know i was like why are these books so expensive because i'm a, I, I love books i love to read like paper books uh it's got it's really difficult for me to like let go of that habit of right. just holding a book and reading it um yeah and, and so i think you have more when your basic needs are met and you don't have to worry about it you do have more money to either save for things like a house or a car or a vacation or you know a, whatever it is your hobby is or the thing that you enjoy doing in your spare time. True. I think and, that, though there's also, there's an attitude difference in that I don't think I have ever, and I mean ever heard a European apologize for taking vacation. Oh gosh, no, it wouldn't, no. it wouldn't occur to anyone here. And yet Americans, I, and I'm as guilty as the rest of us get, very defensive almost and apologetic about, oh, well, uh, I can't roll it over and I have to use it or lose it. Oh, and I'll be on, I'll be available on, on my phone anyways. Like, and, and right. I, I think you'd be, that, that's just, that would not fly in Europe anywhere that I know of. Um, like your vacation time is your vacation. I think in France, it's actually illegal for your boss to call you. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's right. <laughs> And just that's 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 hard hard for an American to imagine sometimes. So. Well, it's also hard for an American to imagine your your boss coming to you and saying, "You know, you really need to take some vacation time." <laughs> I I can see here that you've only taken one of your five weeks of vacation time, right? And it's coming up at the end at the end of the year. So I guess we'll see you. I guess in February. You, yeah, in the new fiscal year or the, or in February. I mean, it's hard to imagine an American company or boss saying that to you. And I can remember when I was in the workforce in the United States, I was I worked service industry jobs, especially like right out of mm-hmm. college or graduate school. And um yeah, I used to get really nervous so there was a lot of anxiety about asking for time off oh my god yes yeah i just because i would always be made to feel bad about taking my time i was made to feel like i like that time was actually their time 
Yeah, totally. And they were they were like grudgingly giving me this this thing that I was supposed to that I was supposed to have, but it was like they were they acted as though I were ta- I was taking something away from them. And it was an inconvenience for them. And I guess sort of it was because you were going to have to like cover the, the shifts or my absence. So, yeah, I used to get nervous about calling in sick. Oh, yeah. I used to, uh, like, there's just something about. And, and it, it, I notice here in Europe that there's two answers to that. Uh, one, mm-hmm. one is that they restaurants and retail stores look overstaffed to American eyes. Mm. Like they, they have a lot of people working at them and that's how you can have people take off. Uh, Mm. But then the other side of it is they also just think, well, it's okay if there's going to be a longer line, like there's one cashier today. And so we'll just wait. You're just going to (laughs) wait. And that's, you know, (laughs) yeah. I mean, what do you, what else are you going to do? I mean, you could choose not to buy the shirt and, come back later sometimes I sometimes I'm like you know because I'm very much a last minute kind of person right <laughs> like, I'll pick this up on my way to get the kids from school and then there's a line and I'm like I'm gonna have to get this tomorrow and I'm <laughs> gonna have to you know I do that all the time that's just poor planning on my part I know how this works right I know how I know how shopping works and I, I know that if I want to do it I shouldn't do it if I'm on my way somewhere else right Though, I mean, that respect for the employee's personal time, it's not, it It, it happens sort of on the hourly basis, too, in the mm. sense of, like, if the store closes at 6, uh, and you're in line at 6, uh, sorry, the store, like, the store just closed, and mm. put your stuff back, and... <laughs> yeah. Although I, I'm very rarely out that late these days. I mean, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually at home cooking, cooking food for small people at that point. <laughs> So speaking of vacation, Mm -hmm. uh, we are about to take ours, uh, first one in two years. Wow. Yeah, we are headed to uh, uh, the back to the States uh, for a few weeks. And as an example of the psychotic American attitude about work, I'm actually going to spend a week of that uh, (gasps) at my job. Well, I know. I've never seen the office. I've never physically met the people because it's a remote job. So I'm looking forward to it in that sense, but uh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, to finally, I guess, see people in the flesh again rather than over yeah. Zoom or communicate with them in person as opposed to over emails. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> you normally operate. Are they are they phone calls or emails or Teams meetings or, and yeah. go to meeting? Yeah, yeah. Um, Slack. Oh, Slack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this will so, be our first time back to the U.S. Uh, since the pandemic. Wow. Uh, since a year before the pandemic, in fact. So how, how are you feeling about traveling? Are you got all your documentations and uh, your yeah. tests lined up? And Well, we yeah, we have to get a test uh, 48 hours before we fly. 
So okay. I will finally get the cotton swab up my nose. Mm, it's not that bad. Okay. Take your word on that. Um, and so France has an app uh, mm-hmm. where it you scan a QR code. You get a QR code from a pharmacy that looks at your vaccine card. Mm. And then your phone like displays your status as vaccinated. Okay. Um, so that part should be okay, I think. I guess like I worry because we don't know if this is just like a small flare up of the new strain in the US or if this is about to be wave three or wave four or whatever wave it's going to be on. Mm. You know, there's the first worry they're going to cancel travel. In, uh, just sort of in general. Right. Um, that seems probably not uh, since they didn't last time. But then there's the worry like, oh, we're going to get there and then we can't get back to France. I mean, mm. there will be ways around that because we have orders, et cetera. But like it becomes, you know, something you don't normally have to factor in when you're going back to visit your family, uh, which is, right. you know, we sort of, I still have that pre-pandemic mindset of like oh it's i can just fly wherever i want to in the world and that's not you know a problem (laughs) and that's that's not the case anymore right well interestingly you're on your way to the states and um my in-laws are due to arrive this week um we will be seeing them also for the first time in person in two years oh wonderful yeah, 2019 was the last time we saw them. And coming from the U.S. to Denmark is very confusing right now because yeah. it seems like they they are fully vaccinated and they will be traveling with their cards. In Denmark, we also have an app Um, that displays your, if you're vaccinated, it displays, you know, a vaccination QRL. And if you are negative, um, if you haven't, I have not been fully vaccinated yet. I'm Ah. one shot down, one shot to go. Um, so if I were, I, if I were to, uh, go somewhere prior to my first vaccine shot, I would have to be tested to go to a restaurant or a museum or, you mm-hmm. know, anywhere like that. And then it's the nose swab. It's, it only tickles. I promise. I'm, they don't I'm, go I'm up taking nearly... your word on this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about France, but in Denmark, it's 15 seconds, each nostril, it tickles. Um, some, you might want to sneeze, but, but it's, it's, I was frightened too, because I thought they got up in there good, but it's not that bad. Even my kids have done it, and they say it's much better than the throat swab. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I can't do throat swabs. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get you get the QR, you get the negative results, and it goes into your app with the displays a code, and that one's good for seventy two hours. Now, here's where it gets kind of weird because they don't have the app on their mobile devices. Okay, it doesn't. You can only get it if you have a CPR, which is your social security, your Danish social security number, essentially. Right. I, th- I think they might have to get a test every 72 hours to go to restaurants or museums or anything that requires a negative 
COVID test or vaccination card. Or it might be that all they need is their vaccination <laughs> card and like a photo ID. Yeah. It is very confusing right now. I've, I've read the government website and it seems to indicate that people from a series of countries, the United States being one of them, don't have to, to do all of the testing and, and quarantining and things of that nature as long as they cut if, as long as they've tested negative coming into the country I don't even know if they have to do that <laughs> <laughs> and and they have their vaccine card but then I've spoken with other people here who've had family come from the US to visit and they're like no you have to have this you have to have like testing every 72 hours you don't have to quarantine but you do have to like it's a lot of testing and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So probably what we will do is take them and have them tested for the first day and see what the advice is from the testing site. Right. Going forward. I don't know if the policy will change because of the, of the numbers going up in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. I don't I don't know if that's going to be an issue. I think that they will be able to get back because they are American citizens and I think that that won't be an issue. I don't know what's going to happen if Denmark decides to nope out of letting people in like while they're in the air. Right. I don't know. Right. Um I and it's just a very uncertain period right now. Yeah, it's very and I I get I totally get everyone is trying their best. Mm, and Absolutely. It's very confusing and here in France it it varies from pharmacy to pharmacy like how they're interpreting the regulations about who gets mm. who gets the vaccine card and who doesn't and Right. Does Pfizer count as Moderna? You know, it's um and again it's like it's because they're trying to build this plane as it's taking off the runway right like like right. they're moving with incomplete information and i'm glad that people at least here well many people seem to be like cutting them some slack in that sense and and mm. people are trying to be you know let's all be team france and get through this but then again france just had its first anti-vax riot this weekend so, a, a riot, yes, a full-blown a full wow, a full-on greve with tear gas and everything. So, in, in Paris or other yeah, in Paris, yeah, in Paris, wow. I, people are getting, I understandably, people are getting frustrated, and mm -hmm. as as you say, I think to a large degree, there are lots of people who are completely completely understandable circumstances we're constantly getting new data it changes all the time you can't know mm -hmm. something you don't know right be very donald rumsfeld about it but uh -huh. i mean you can't know what you don't know right so right. the more the more data you collect the more information you have the hopefully the faster you can adapt to the changing information but it is I, and it is really frustrating um, to not know if the current advice is going to be 
the advice tomorrow. If, right. <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah, like we're doing our best, but sometimes your best is the wrong thing. And that's going to be very frustrating if that turned out to be right. the case. And it's, it's particularly, I guess, emotionally hard in that, remember sort of the, at the beginning of the year, like, oh, my God, we have a vaccine. Like, all mm-hmm. we have to do is take just the vaccine. Take, like, hold on, take the vaccine. And everybody felt like, okay, we can grit our fingernails into the into the dirt and hold on until people get vaccinated. And then yet it's just still this it's never quite done, right? Like like people there's people that can't get the vaccine. There's people right. that won't get the vaccine. Um and right. the vaccine isn't approved for children, but now this new variant seems to be striking children harder. Like what right. it, it's there was the light at the tunnel, and then it wasn't the end of the tunnel. It was just the next part of the tunnel. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's just that's just the world we live in for now. And yeah, we have to keep people. We have to keep each other safe. I'm I'm reading this history of Paris and Mm. uh, in the 200 years between 1600 and 1800, there is a plague outbreak one out of every three years. Wow. So now that's when you think about, you know, diseases and viruses and plagues in in terms of the Black Plague and how long that lasted in, in Europe particular. Well, Worldwide, I mean, like I think it's the China and the Near East. China is just as in the bad. Near East. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but we we know because of our Eurocentric history <laughs> right. lessons, um, we know more about it, common knowledge wise, in Europe than we do in other parts of the world. But like it was a rolling thing for a lot of people for a for very centuries. Long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's still there's still plague outbreaks. Um, um, my husband was telling me, I think it was last night, that there was a plague outbreak in Colorado. Yeah, the western U.S. gets them sometimes, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, India and Mongolia, I think, gets them every also, so often. Yep. Yeah. Occasionally, yep. And so it's not like it's gone. We just know how to deal with it better. Right. And so... I mean, I guess we were, us and our parents were kind of the... I guess we really were the first generation of humans to, like, not worry about, you know, big outbreaks of communicable diseases killing lots of people, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that's th- that's true because we have – we did so much to, if not completely eradicate, then certainly – Greatly reduce. For, yeah, you know, greatly reduce. Measles, smallpox, mumps, mumps rubella, yeah, whooping, whooping cough. cough. <laughs> um, chicken pox. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, like, there's a vaccine for that now. Polio, yeah. Yeah, polio. Chicken pox, though. I mean, I'm sure. Did you have chicken pox when you were a kid? Uh, yes, I, I had it twice. Oh, wow. Which means I need to, I'm, I'm supposed to ask my doctor about some medicine to prevent shingles at some point. Oh, but, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I had two very different strains uh, at different, like once when I was really young and then 
So yes, is the answer to your question. Well, I mean, like I, I had chicken pox. I'm two of my, two of my kids had chicken pox that they caught at nursery, and then I, then some for my third kid, the, my pediatrician was like, "Would you like to give him the chicken pox vaccine?" And I was like, "There's a vaccine for that." Yes, please. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." I mean, because you know, you don't. You had chicken pox. You don't think about it again until you have a kid in somebody's heads. Would you like to give your kid the chicken pox vaccine? And I was like, yes, please. Sign me up for that vaccine. And so <laughs> we're done with chicken pox in this house. Um, nice. Knock on wood until right. unless, you know, something unfortunate happens and it gets triggered. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you think about how amazing science in the last century has been in right. in reducing especially childhood mortality rates yeah um yeah but between the vaccines and then sanitation and how you don't have like you don't just have in the developed world um you know people you don't have cholera outbreaks you don't have dysentery outbreaks you still have those in developing world unfortunately but um you know it's just it's not something we've had to think about we haven't reserved much mental space for I mean, I guess the disease of our generation was AIDS, right? That was what right. that was what we worried about, and th- and sort of that was the the disease that we mm. grew up with. Um, but but while they they don't they don't have a cure for that or a vaccine for that, as far as I'm aware, they do have really um, good treatments for it that right. yeah, are I- very effective. Yeah, I remember I was thinking about that because it's not like there was never a day like there was never one day where like, oh, we've we've cured AIDS. Right. That was there. There was never this there was we didn't get a chance to have a big party because of it or whatever. Like, oh, they they cured AIDS. But just gradually one one piece at a time, they changed it from a death sentence to a lifelong manageable condition. Right, right. Which, yeah, which um, is amazing. If you think about, I mean, because AIDS really came to the forefront in the, the 1980s. Right. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm remembering my my history correctly. I mean, I'm sure it was sort of floating around in the late 70s. Yeah, it got, it got identified in, I think, 83 or 84, okay. something like that. Gallo. But then it, and then it got really bad. Um through the 80s and and it seems like so, really since the turn of the century it's been gradually becoming much, much more as you say a manageable condition that right. people have it, but right. it, but it just it strikes me that there was not like there was a day when sulk invented a vaccine for polio right and, right. and after that day everything was different Right, uh, though, right. Though polio still lasted like another five years, I guess we should probably keep that in mind. Um, but but yeah, there was not that day with, or the same way a lot of cancers, you know, we've had huge strides mm-hmm. in treating them, but there's never been this this moment where like, oh, we fixed cancer. Well, now they have a vaccine for the was the HPV is that yeah, what, yeah, the, the HPV vaccine where you can you can give. I, girls i think possibly also also boys boys, yeah 
Yeah, also boys, and then when they're, I think, 12, I think that's the, the age that they get the HPV vaccine, and that prevents or is goes a long way he, towards preventing yeah, yeah, cervical he, he cancer. Yeah, reduces the risk of cervical cancer, yeah. Yeah, which is huge for women. So, yeah, you think about just science is such an amazing thing, <laughs> and it, bav- it sort of baffles me this strain of anti-vaccine rhetoric that's oh, yeah. running through the world. It's not just a U.S. thing, but it does seem to be more prevalent to me, at least in the United States. What is so fascinating and frustrating to me at the same time, especially about our home state, which <laughs> I, I'm a, you're, you will be visiting on your on your uh, tour. No, actually, my no, dad's okay. going to see us in Virginia. Um, oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. It's probably for the best, considering the vaccine rate in the in Mississippi right now is what, like forty percent? Not not even that. I uh, I think it's in the thirties. Last I saw. Uh, yeah. What What's really frustrating to me about that was when this whole thing started. My thought was, once we have a vaccine, Mississippians will take the vaccine. Because we do a lot of things poorly in Mississippi, but immunization no, no, is yeah. not one of those things. We have we have a long history of being one of the most immunized states in in the country for measles and mumps rubella. For like like that's yeah. it's the one public health thing we actually do right, you know. And- right. And I I looked it up, and in in 2015, Mississippi had a childhood immunization rate of 99.7%. Wow. 140 school-aged children were not immunized in 2015. Just 140. Wow. That's those number that's a phenomenal number and I'm like I'm I mean it it's so frustrating because Mississippi mandates childhood immunizations. It is not something that they leave to parental choice. Right. It is a. It is a. It is a public good. Mississippi again says this is a public good. We're not going to let you pick. We're not going to let you choose. I'm not going to get into like the weirdness of a red state government telling people. No, <laughs> not, there's no choice here. This is this is what's best for us. Right. And I don't even know if I want to point this out to anybody. <laughs> Lest they uh, change Lest their mind. They go, you yeah. know, you're right. Um, we might want to cut this part. But I'm just like, Mississippi, what are you doing? You know how vaccines work. You're, you're, this is the thing. This is your thing. And I just feel like, it's just so mind-boggling to me how much bad information and political rhetoric has gone into this whole pandemic. It's I just I it's crazy. It's just crazy to me what has happened. Yeah, I guess I I mean, I understand polarization. I understand Politics can become about tribalism more mm. than about the specifics of issues. 
I never in my life expected that vaccination against a deadly and debilitating disease would have a a partisan or ideological component to it, you know? Or or even just protecting yourself or and other people against it. Just so, yeah, like yeah. socially distancing and wearing a wearing mask. A mask I, mean, yeah. I mean I mean it and yet here we are and people are upset about you know having to stay home more for a a while granted this has gone on a really long time and i totally get people totally wanting things to be normal i i get it but i just if by my staying home and or wearing a mask or staying two meters away from somebody saves a life i just one life right because i don't i don't i've never used so much hand sanitizer in my life um there's no skin left on my hands yeah well i have like 72 little bottles of hand sanitizer and pockets and i've got like 150 different cloth masks and like several packages of re- of disposable masks that I don't use unless it's an I forget about my cloth mask it's just I, I never again I never thought I never thought we would be so divided as a country that we couldn't agree on basic public health and safety things but but here we are and it's it's very it's very confusing. It's a very confusing time. It really is. To to be an American, I'm sure in the US, it is an even more confusing time I think as an American living outside the US. Yeah, I I because I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that you're going to get to go home and Me too. and see peeps and hang out with your folks and your your fam and Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can we can uh, do a show while I'm there, yeah. and, and I can report back. Uh, well, what's still there? What's uh, <laughs> what's what, still standing? Many, <laughs> what I want to know is how many different and new Oreo f- cookie flavors there are. Oreo flavors, yes. <laughs> and M and M flavors. Always fascinated by those two flavors. Like when I left the United States, it was like standard Oreo cookies and double stuffed. And so this peanuts, is before peanut butter, strawberry, orange, like all those Swedish yeah. fish, whatever that <laughs> thing was. Um, and then my for M and M's, it was your standard like milk chocolate, dark chocolate, peanut M and M's, and maybe even peanut butter M and M's, but but not pretzel, not almond, not yeah. No, no, no. It's gotten it's gotten. I think the the biggest junk food change for me was the first time I moved overseas. Uh, when I came back, Taco Bell was serving breakfast, and that was what? that is not a breakfast food. Oh, it's that you'd a, be amazed. Uh, the I mean, the breakfast Crunchwrap Supreme is. <laughs> I I mean I love I love huevos rancheros, but I don't know. I always associate Taco Bell with like late night drinking and trying to get sober (laughs) well and i think that was the theory because if they're open till 3 a.m why not just why not just stay open and and serve breakfast burritos and yeah that makes sense too i mean breakfast food although you know what if i'm gonna go for greasy breakfast food in 
the States and I'm in the South, I'm going to go to Waffle House. Oh, Waffle House. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely, I've got to find a Waffle House and some kind of just 1950s chrome diner somewhere. Um, yep. But we'll also, Absolutely. we'll be spending a week in Chicago. So I will also That's finally get cool. deep dish pizza, which is so hard to find in Europe. And it will not, it will not have tuna or corn on it. Sorry, every oh, European corn. country. <laughs> but yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. How do the Italians? I don't think that the Italians do they put corn on the pizza? They I don't will. Know. Uh, they will put tuna on the pizza. I haven't. I yeah. don't think corn is so. And so many countries have this idea that like, okay, corn is grown in the U.S. I grant mm. that, but they seem to think we just put corn on everything because it'll even say like American style pizza with corn. <laughs> Um, with now with corn, right. it's super American. It's American <laughs> style pizza. Well, like I know in, uh, in India, they think they seem to think that we eat like buckets of just gold, like sweet corn niblets, uh, uh, like at the movies. Um, <laughs> and we don't, though. Having had it in India, I, it's a brilliant idea because they'll just they'll put butter on sweet corn and some masala spices, and it's it's great. Like everyone should do that. But we it's do it, popcorn. we do I popcorn, right? We don't do uh, we don't do sweet we don't corn, do... but we should. Do do they serve it in like cups and? Yeah, just a little like a popcorn bucket, but it's it's just niblets, not not with popcorn. a spoon, I guess. I eat it with your hands. I think they gave you a, a fork. Now that I think okay. of it, okay, yeah, it's a lot like a like a normal size popcorn bucket. Not like I mean, not like the kind that comes in the Coliseum, but like you okay. know, like a. a you know, a, pi- now I'm a pint maybe. Like a pint of just a giant gallon size of like corn niblets. <laughs> it's a lot of corn. Yeah, I don't think many other countries have our fascination with the huge, the servings, no, right? Like they don't. Yeah, I, I, I know the the Burger Kings here. Um, or the five guys too. Like you can, mm. you have to scan this little UPC code on your cup. Mm. You, 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 you can serve your own soda just like in the mm. U S but you have to scan the UPC code on your cup because the French government doesn't want you like drinking 66 ounces of, of, <laughs> of cherry Coke. They're like, you can, this cup can only get filled once at this machine. <laughs> yeah. That's the last time we were back in the States was 2018. So it's been a really long time since we've been back to the U.S. But, you know, we took, we take our kids to, occasionally we'll take our kids to um, an American fast food restaurant. And we'll go in uh, and, you know, the the drink dispensers are mm-hmm. mind-blowing. Oh, my, yeah, like, <laughs> like combining different syrups and, yeah, it's, it's. I feel old now when I go into these restaurants. Well, yeah, because when I was when we were growing up, it was you know you had your you had the the Coke dispenser. You pushed the little lever, and you know the Coke came out. It was right. syrup with the carbonated carbonated water, and it blended together with the ice, and that was it. Now <laughs> they have these machines that have touchscreen computer screens. And 
like 72 different drink choices and I, the first time I the first time I saw one I was like how do you even work this it's like cherry vanilla caffeine free diet Dr Pepper and that, right and what it and what does a kamikaze look like here right that's what I want to know exactly because that was what was fun working at the concession stand was mixing Coke and Pepsi and Sprite and whatever you know. And, yeah. Into this just vile brew that you convinced yourself was the the best thing on earth. It was amazing, and yeah, no, it was awful. But we drink it anyway. <laughs> you are off soon, and yep. the in laws are in soon. So yeah, I'm gonna wish you a super safe and enjoyable trip back to the United States, and. I will talk to you, I guess, the next time I talk to you, you will be there. Yeah. Uh, sounds great. Say hi to the in-laws so. for me. And, I will uh, do so. All right. Take care. And you too. Bye.